following message is brought to you by Morgan Hill Bible Church. For all things MHBC, connect with us on social media and check us out online at mhbible.org. Well, good morning. It is uh, so good to be with you today. Hey, quickly look at the person next to you and tell them I prayed all week that I'd sit next to you. (laughs) And then quickly look to the other person, choice number two today for whatever reason, and tell them you're looking good today. (laughs) Hey, um, I get to spend these next few minutes with you and uh, in the Word, and I'm just grateful for the opportunity to do so. I, I grew up a pastor's kid in New York, and I've um, been a worship pastor now for over 13 years. And when, when people ask me what I do, and I say I'm a worship pastor, uh, if you're not familiar with church, if you don't go to church, it usually doesn't make a ton of sense. Uh, so I like to get a little creative w- when explaining to people what I, what I do. I went to seminary in Virginia, and I would fly up to New York to visit my family who lived there. So this, this one particular time, I, uh, I was sitting next to a lady, and we were flying to JFK. This was, you know, before COVID, years ago, if you remember what flying was like. And she said, hello, you know, how are you? And I said, fine, thanks, how are, how are you? And she started to talk about her job, and this was the third time this month that she had to fly up to New York. And then she asked me uh, what I did. And I said, well, I, I work for a global enterprise. And she said, really? I said, yes, yes, I do. And I said, uh, we've got outlets in ne- nearly every every country of the world. Really? Yes. Yes. We've got hospitals and adoption programs and we do marriage work and and justice work. We've got feeding programs. We've got educational programs. We we put on conferences. I said, basically, we we look after people from from birth to death and we deal in the area of behavioral alteration. (laughs) And and she goes like, whoa, like what's it called? And I said, it's called the church. Have you heard of it? I mean, isn't it amazing, though, if, if, you, if you think about this, if, you're, if you follow Jesus, you're part of this, this global movement. Um, and, and it's not only global, it's, it's uh, intergalactic because it includes everyone who's gone before us. That's quite a thought. I, I wonder if you think of yourself in that way, with, with that kind of perspective. Uh, speaking of perspective, I wanted to share a quick, a quick story with you. There was this girl... She went off to college, and she wasn't in touch with her parents for, for a very long time. She eventually felt really guilty about it, and so she decided, okay, I'll write them an email and, and just catch them up on everything that's, that's going on. So she, she wrote this. Dear Mom and Dad, since I left for college, I've been remiss in writing, and I'm sorry for my thoughtlessness in not having written before. I, I want to bring you up to date, but before you read on, please sit down. Are you sitting down? Don't read unless you're sitting down. I'm getting along pretty well. The skull fracture and concussion I got when I jumped out of my dorm room window when it caught on fire shortly after my arrival has now healed pretty well. And I only get those sick headaches a couple times a day. Fortunately, the attendant at the gas station witnessed the fire in my dorm and the jump. He ran over, took me to the hospital, and continued to visit me there. When I got out of the hospital, I had nowhere to live because of the burnt-out conditions of my dorm. So he was kind enough to invite me to share his basement bedroom with him. 
It's sort of small, but very cute. He's a very fine boy and we've fallen deeply in love and are planning on getting married. We haven't said the exact date, but it will be before my pregnancy begins to show. (laughs) Yes, mom and dad, I'm pregnant. I know how much you're looking forward to being grandparents, and I know you will welcome the baby and give it the same tender care and devotion that you gave me when I was a child. The reason for my delay in my marriage is because my boyfriend has an infection, which I carelessly caught from him. I know, however, that you will welcome him into our family with open arms. He is kind, and although not well-educated, he is ambitious. And although he's a different religion than ours, I know you express tolerance, so you won't be bothered by that. In conclusion, now that I've brought you up to date, I want to tell you. There was no dorm room fire. I did not have a concussion or skull fracture. I was not in the hospital, and I'm not pregnant. I do not have an infection, and there's no boyfriend in my life. However, I have failed my exams. (laughs) However, I failed my exams, and I wanted you to see these results in its proper perspective. (laughs) Parents, can you imagine for a moment receiving that email from from your daughter? Dear mom and dad, I failed my exams. What? You failed your, you know how much money I'm paying? But when you read all this, and you failed your exams, darling, fail all your exams, just don't get... (laughs) Right. <laughs> uh, perspective, it's so, it's so important. You know, when, uh, when David saw Goliath, there were two possible reactions. The first was, whoa, he's really big, I'm, I'm going to get my butt kicked. Uh, the second reaction, whoa, he's really big, how can I miss? <laughs> you see, perspective is very, very important, and I've been thinking a lot about this as we're coming out of COVID and, and 2020 and all the changes that we've experienced. And and here we are heading into the summer in what feels like in a lot of ways, the start of something new, the start of a new chapter. We just got a new lead pastor, Pastor Michael, who'll be with us in a couple weeks. That's definitely a new chapter for, for Morgan Hill Bible. And some of you have been coming here for years and, and been with us through all, through all the changes. And the, the fact is change is part of life, isn't it? And the older you become, the more you realize whether or not we like it, change is inevitable. And, and every time things change, every time there's a new chapter, we experience new things. We live life in new ways. One, one of the things about us as humans is, is the, the positive experiences we have in our lives uh, get attached to stuff, right? To, to people, to places, to, to things, to music. You know, is there, is there a song that when you, you hear it, it provokes some kind of emotion, some kind of memory from the past? You hear that song and you remember, yeah, that was when she said she was in love with my best friend and not me. Or just, is that just me? Okay. Um, or, or you hear that song and you're like, that's when I graduated high school. Or you hear that song and you remember just some exhilarating, some exciting moment of your life. Eye of the Tiger, you guys remember that song? It's it, Band Survivor did. Old song, I know. But Rock for Rocky. Um, and just hearing that, even now, it still pumps me up. It still pops up on my workout playlist every, every now and then. I still want to do one-arm push-ups and, and, and drink raw eggs. I've never actually... <laughs> Never done that, but or, or chariots of fire, old old movie, but but that iconic theme, that that line, dun 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 dun, dun 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 dun, remember that? It it just makes you come alive. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Uh, why? 
because as humans, we're creatures of time and space. And God, God made us this way. He designed us this way. And, and it can be a very positive things, thing. Because one of the things you want to do as a human being is to integrate your life by learning from the past. And, and using the past to actually live best in the present and to live for the future. But sometimes we get the process wrong, don't we? We, we have this tendency as human beings to get trapped in the past to be disconnected from the present and to ignore the future altogether. There's this passage of scripture I wanna look at today with you. It's in Isaiah, Isaiah 43, um, 16 to 21. It's in, it's in the handout and it says this. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and there they lay, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed myself, that they may proclaim my praise. And it goes on a little further. Yet you have not called upon me, O Jacob. You have not wearied yourself of me, O Israel. You have not brought me sheep for burnt offerings, nor honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with grain offerings, nor wearied you with demands for incense. You have not bought any fragrant calamus for me, or lavished the fat of your sacrifices but you have burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your offenses. I, I love this particular conversation that God is having with Israel because there's, there's moments in, in history where the conversation sort of, sort of elevates. You know, there's introductory conversations where people are getting to know each other and it's, it's, and it's more superficial, more surface level, or maybe it's a conversation just for me to let you know who I am and for me to know who you are. And then there's times in a level of a relationship that it goes deeper, it's, it's, it's more intense. And if it moves to a healthy place, there's levels of expectation you have for one another, levels of commitment, levels of trust, and even of covenant. And this is one of those moments where God is having a conversation with Israel. And I, I think in a lot of ways, it deals with one of the most significant dilemmas we have in our lives as followers of Jesus. One of the most difficult things in life is to get over a failure, right? One of the most challenging things in life is to get over a moment where you feel betrayed or just shattered and broken. And I've been there and that's a whole other message for another time. But when things go bad, people understand it. It takes time for you to regroup and to, to get your back in alignment with the direction that your life should go in. But then there's these other times that are kind of surprising. You're actually trapped in the past, not because of the pain that holds you there, you're trapped in the past because of all the good that happened there. And then you end up in this space where because of the sum total of your history, of your past, you're not prepared to face the moment you're in, the, the present. And I don't know what COVID was like for you, for what 2020 was like for you, and I would imagine it's a combination of huge challenges and struggles and, and maybe even moments of success, maybe moments of disappointment and moments of 
celebration. You can probably look back at one moment and say, this was the best year of my life. And then you can look at another and say, this was the worst year of my life. Anybody resonate with that? And, and you may feel as if you're trapped in this uh, bipolar experience, not, not knowing which one it is. And, and some of it is really going to depend on what you choose to remember. But whether you're looking back on the best or the worst of the past, the greatest danger is to get trapped there. And so what's happening in this particular moment that, that Israel is facing this new challenge. They've been slaves forever to the Egyptians, to the Babylonians, to the Persians, to the, to the Romans. Uh, really, Israel's history is one of momentary freedom and a lot of bondage. And so when people read the, read the history and they say, oh, God's been unfairly kind to Israel and given them lots of advantages, uh, treated them better than other nations. I'm going, have you read this story? If there's ever been a people that has been under more oppression, more hardship, more, more slavery, more bondage, more undesirable conditions, it was the people of Israel. And so much of this was out of a response of being called the people of God. Because God held them to a higher standard. He simply demanded more of them, more from them. And so he allowed more to happen to them. So they could become the people they needed to become. So he let the Babylonians get away with stuff that he wouldn't let the Israelites get away with. He would let the Egyptians get away with stuff that he wouldn't let the Israelites get away with. And there were times they were saying, well, well, wait a second, like, look at them. They're worse than us. They're more evil than us. They're more destructive than us. They're more greedy than us. They worship false gods. At least we're sort of worshiping you. Most of the time, trying to keep a high percentage of the commandments. God, at least we know the commandments. And God says, this is exactly why I'm holding you to a higher standard, because I'm using you as the pen with which I'm writing human history. And strangely enough, this is what I really believe God invites us to. This extraordinary relationship where God uses you and I as the pen with which he writes human history. And so there's this pivotal verse. He says, put away the former things. Do not dwell in the past. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. But will you even be aware of it? I think he's trying to have Israel have a proper relationship with time. To, to build on the past, to live in the present, and to live for the future. But building on the past is different than living in the past. There's this, this kind of peculiar uh, passage here. I, I don't know about you, but you ever read the Bible and you just kind of pretend you know what it means, right? And you're like, yeah, it's so po- poetic. Horses, armies, that's awesome. <laughs> but let's actually pause for a minute and pretend that this is supposed to make sense, right? So Israel's in a captivity. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and that there they lay, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. So what, what is he talking about? Ironically, this is, God is describing how he saved Israel from Egypt. And this is, this is one of the thematic stories that God wanted them to remember. If, if you go through the Bible, there's a phrase all the way throughout. It's remember, 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 remember. And, and normally that phrase remember is all about this. This story, when they were in captivity of the Egyptians and God raised up Moses and he went to Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. You know the story. 
And then he sent them out into the wilderness and, and then he parted the waters and, and they crossed the Red Sea and they wandered in the wilderness for all those years. And God's saying, remember how I did this, how I set you free, how I delivered you, how I gave you water from a rock, how I sent manna from heaven, I sent food from the sky. Remember all this. And now God's saying, forget it. Put away the former things. Do not dwell on the past. You ever feel like God's confusing you? Can, can, can you imagine being Israel and you just hear this theme of remember, 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 stop remembering. You see, there's a difference between remembering something and being trapped in the memory of it. And Israel had remembered what God had done so much that they had thought that that was the last best moment of their life. So now they're in captivity to the Babylonians and they just kept remembering what God did rather than believing in what God would do. Put away the former things. Do not live in the past. As we come out of COVID, as we start this new chapter as a church, maybe it's a good beginning point to consider. Stop living in the past. You build on the past. You're not supposed to have amnesia from the past. It's important to remember everything, everything that God's done. It's important to remember every failure so that you can learn from them. It's important not to forget the things that you went through because they make you who you are, right? So intelligent memory is, is really important. So, some people never seem to learn from their mistakes. They, they never learn from the past. They keep repeating the past over and over again. But I think the way God wants us to remember it, is, is to glean and to extract from all our life experience the things we need for tomorrow. So we have to be careful not to live in the past. You have to believe that your future is better than your past. I wonder if you believe that for yourself today. If you're leaning into this new season with excitement that tomorrow is going to be better than yesterday. So that no matter how hard things were during COVID, that meant, just meant that God wanted you to have a lot more learning to do last year, to prepare you for an amazing new chapter. But if the last three years for you were amazing and, and just really great, you might live in danger just of, of being like Israel, always remembering the best days are behind you and not in front of you. You need to build on the past and live in the present. Put away the former things. Do not live in the past. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. I love that. I, I am convinced that when we hang on to the old, we actually feel our lives slipping away. But when we allow the new to be born and formed in us, we feel alive and full. There's something wonderful about the way God has designed us. We're designed for the new. I mean, try to live on yesterday's oxygen. Try to live on your last breath. Living on your last memory is as foolish as, as, as living on your last breath. It means you've designed yourself, or, or rather, you've assigned yourself to, to perish. One of the hard things about living in the present is that we can look backwards in selective ways, right? If we want to, we can remember everything we did well and feel really good about ourselves. And the present, it demands our full attention, doesn't it? it, it it's actually, it's so hard to be fully present. It's so, it's, it's easy to remember the past or to dream about the future, but it's really hard just to be here in this moment. And I know technology hasn't exactly made it any easier, right? 
It makes being totally present just, just way harder. We're all so connected, maybe, maybe a little too connected. We text at the stoplight, and I've, I've done it. Uh, I'm trying not to anymore. I, I've done that before. But um, important conversations are interrupted with incoming messages that usually aren't that important. And we've all seen it, you know, the, the silent couples at the restaurant that stare intently, not at each other, but at their iPhones. I think for some of us, we have a hard time being present and living in the present because it requires a level of sensitivity to this moment, to pay attention to what God's doing now. No one else can do that for you. No one else can be there for you. It's very personal to not be distracted with, with yesterday or tomorrow, to, to not worry about any of it. Worry, now there's something that seemed to consume so many of our thoughts, sometimes to the point where it's crippling. If we're honest, we worry about a lot of things, don't we? There was, a, there was this woman who couldn't sleep at night because she was worried that her home was going to be robbed. And one night her husband heard something downstairs. He went downstairs and sure enough, in the kitchen, there was a burglar. They were being robbed. And he said to the burglar, can I possibly take you upstairs so you can meet my wife? She's been waiting to meet you for 12 years. <laughs> A, a real burglar can steal from us once, but worry can steal from us night after night for many years, steal our attention, steal our belief, steal our faith. I, I think the hardest verse in the Bible is do not worry. We so often live our lives as if God's not on the throne, as if God doesn't know what we're thinking. I, I think most of the times we worry is because we envision our future without God. And what does that scripture say? That Christ sits on the right hand of the throne of God. Are we believing that? I can look back on my life and, and see so clearly the times I was living my life in a way that basically said, I am not trusting you, Jesus. I'm not really believing that you, you're sitting on the throne. Where, where my eyes were fixed on my circumstances and not on Jesus. Yeah, to be a Christian means you're connected to Christ. The word Christian has the word Christ in it. If you remove the word Christ from Christian, you're left with I-A-N. Ian's not going to help you. We love you, Ian. You play, you're awesome on keys, by the way. <laughs> but, but if you're connected to the Christ you're, you're, uh, and your eyes are fixed on Jesus, well, then maybe I don't actually have to worry after all. I was doing a little research on worry and anxiety, and I found some pretty interesting stats. Did you know that most people's anxiety is preoccupied with 40% of things that will never happen? 30% of things relating to the past that can't be changed. 12% of things relating to people's criticism, which often gets worse with stress, and uh, which is generally untrue. 10% uh, of things relating to stress, to, to, to health, excuse me, which often gets worse with stress and negative thinking. So only 8% of the time are we anxious about real concerns that will need to be faced. 8%. But we go ahead and add another 92%. It's easy for us to get caught up in the past, worrying about something that may never happen, or worrying that our best days are behind us. The last few years were so good. Is it, is it ever going to be better than that? I wonder how many of us are willing to leave the success of the past for what God is doing in your life right now. Are you willing to build on the past but live in the present so you can live for the future?
the future. Put away the former things. Do not live in the past. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. And here's the line. But will you even be aware of it? But will you perceive it? And then there's this beautiful but strange uh, little poetic imagery. I'm making a way in the desert, streams in the wasteland, the wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed myself, that they may proclaim my praise. I think what... I think this is what God's saying. Look, in the past, you were standing against an ocean of water, and I parted that water, and I gave you dry land so you can cross. Stop looking for me to do that again. This time, you're wandering in the desert, so I can't exactly part the desert. The metaphor doesn't work. And as you wander through the desert, I'm going to bring water out of the wasteland so that you can have drink. And the miracle I'm going to bring is not this miracle of deliverance and setting you free by dividing the waters. I'm going to give you the miracle of abundance by letting you wander in the desert. And I'm going to show you how to thrive in dark and dry places. But stop looking for me in the wrong places. Because if you keep looking for me in the past, you will miss me in the future. What God wants to do with you in the future may be completely different than what he's done with you in the past. Is it possible that what God had you doing last year was simply to prepare you for an entirely new chapter this year? Do you, uh, do you remember what Jesus was doing <clears throat> before he started his ministry at the age of 33? He was, what, a carpenter. And he went from a carpenter to a performer of miracles because that's an obvious next step in your career. What God wants to do with you in the future may be completely different than what he's done with you in the past. And we need to trust him for our today and for our future. We need to trust that he's leading our lives. We need to make sure that we're allowing him to lead our lives. I, uh, I've heard this analogy before of thinking of your life a bit like a car, the car of your life. And if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, then Jesus needs to be in your car, right? And I would guess today for some, probably most of you, you'd say, yeah, 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 Jesus is in my car. But where is he? Some people drive their cars to church, unlock the trunk, get Jesus out for you know church happy hour. And then when we're done, get back in there. Because we don't want him uh, driving anywhere. Other people have Jesus in the back seat, a bit of a passenger. Other people have him in the front seat, a bit of a companion. And others have him in the driving seat. So let me ask you, where is Jesus in your car? So for everyone who just thought, oh yeah, he's in the driver's seat. I have one more question for you. Are you a backseat driver? <laughs> the car gets to an intersection. He turns left. Where are you going? I'm going down the road of forgiveness, but I prayed for justice. Yeah, I know. This is exactly the road to that. You get to another intersection, he makes the right. Where are you going now? Going down the road of generosity, but I don't want to be generous. Didn't you just ask me to strengthen your faith? I, I know this without a doubt. As we step into this new chapter as a church, that there's a future that God is imagining for us right now. And that will not happen unless we engage our future with, with courage, with determination, and with faith. Our participation is required to activate the future. So I want to encourage us. Let's be present with a hope, 
with a faith in Jesus, knowing that he is the one leading us forward, knowing that he is doing a new thing. Will you pray with me? God, we, we love you so, so much. We, you love us so much more, more than we can comprehend. Um, I thank you that you've always been with us, always been leading us. And Lord, we want to be present in this moment right now. Would you, would you open our eyes so that we can see things the way you see things, to see the, the new thing that you're doing with, with a hope and a faith that's firmly grounded in you and only you. And Lord, I, I know oftentimes you don't give details. You just give a direction. I think about Jesus when you told Peter to, to walk on water. All you said was come. You didn't tell him how to walk in water. You didn't give him instructions. You just said, come. You were leading Peter then and you're leading us now. So God, here we are saying we trust you for our today and for our future. May our greatest days of faith be today and the ones ahead of us. We love you, Jesus, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Continue the conversation with us on social media. Never miss a message and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.